0: Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Ujianovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday starting at nine.
1: And every day we start off with the launch. So the key word is going to be launch.
0: So, text that keyword to 57500 and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod
2: Pros. Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio.
0: We have a Republican presidential candidate, uh, Nikki Haley, in Salt Lake City today. Uh, She is here, going to make her way eventually to a rally at Utah Valley University this afternoon. In Utah County, of course, Uh, we will be covering that. My co-host Dave Noriega speaking to her along with the editorial board uh, here um, in the next little while at Broadcast House. Uh, He's going to be sitting in on a meeting. We're going to be asking her some questions. Um, And he specifically wanted to know uh, why her message is not resonating. Uh, That if you follow the polls, Haley clearly is a guaranteed win over Biden. Latest polls showing that she could beat President Biden in a head-to-head hypothetical race in November by 16 points. Yet she heads to Utah the night after yet another loss in the primary to former President Trump. Let's just keep going and, and running through the tape as much as we can. She's um, She's on the run right now. She's not giving in. She's not giving up. I'm looking forward to hearing in just a few minutes uh, what Dave finds out when he uh, asks or the questions. uh, If he can squeeze some in. I'm sure that's going to be a very busy editorial board meeting today. Now on to the drama about Salt Lake City's billion-dollar ballpark. Normally we have the launch, but with Dave gone, we decided to skip the launch this morning. The launch brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Every other day when we do the launch, but... We're going to skip over that right now for the billion-dollar ballpark situation.
2: Dave Indigenovic, special coverage of the top local story.
0: There's been some major changes in how this ballpark funding is going to shake out. It happened yesterday with some drama on Utah's Capitol Hill. Of course, if you were listening yesterday, you know Dave and I were camped out uh, in the ballpark community, which is on the west side of Salt Lake City, uh, North Temple, Kind of close to Redwood Road, we were broadcasting live all morning long from Utah State Fair Park, which will be part of this new development. And we've been hearing for several days now. Remember this: this legislation is it's very last minute. It came out last week. Lawmakers tapping taxpayers to help fund this billion-dollar plan to build a ballpark on the west side, which we would own. So we would be proud owners of a new Major League Baseball stadium on the west side of Salt Lake City. Um, and we were told that tourists were going to pick up the tab, mainly because of this hotel room tax that was going to be increased. It was going to be up just a little bit, about a buck fifty for every $100 tourists from out of state drop when they come to town on a hotel room. But then yesterday afternoon on the House floor, St. George Representative Walt Brooks calls out Republican lawmakers for telling us this story, that tourists are going to pick up the tab mainly for the ballpark. You know, because it's tourists who use our hotel room. Well, he's on the House floor and he says, that's not the whole story. Let's talk about Utahns who come to my neck of the woods and stay in St. George.
3: But half of our visitors that stay in hotels are you from Salt Lake to come down to St. George. And I could not vote for a bill that's going to increase taxes statewide for this support this this issue
0: i mean amy Kobe, it's it's kind of a gotcha moment there on the house floor when representative brooks is like hey it's 50 percent of the hotel stays in the saint george area are from folks from uh the wasatch front who are going down there for you know s- baseball tournaments for softball tournaments for t- to tour zion national park to hike in the area so uh eventually what ends up happening and you were covering this uh very thoroughly yesterday for us here at KSL News Radio is they throw out the plan to up the hotel room tax, and what did they come up with?
4: They completely throw it out, Debbie, and instead what they're doing is, so any sales tax that already exists in this Fair Park neighborhood, they're going to basically earmark that, keep it separate from going into just the general fund. They're going to use that back into investing in this ballpark. It's going to be a lot less money, though. Uh, there's an estimate yesterday from Senate President Stuart Adams that uh, we're now losing out maybe $300 million. You know, they they were trying to get $900 million with the taxes earlier. Now, he said, we'll get at least $600 million with this current plan without those hotel taxes included.
0: Well, Yikes! How are we going to afford to build a billion-dollar ballpark with taxpayer money if we're a, a three or four hundred thousand dollars short, Amy?
4: <laughs> it sounded like yesterday on the House was you know, it, they wanted to take this. Step without really figuring out maybe all of the details, Um, but uh, you know, the representative Ryan Wilcox, in introducing this and talking about it, said this is an opportunity we have to take now. And Adams, even in Senate media availability, kind of uh, echoed that, saying. You know, we will study maybe the hotel tax in the future. We'll look at what that impact could be and if we should do that. But it's going to be a study now instead of just jumping right in. So I I don't know if they even know how much they need to build this ballpark. They're just saying, well, we'll need maybe this much. Let's at least get started and if we get that ballpark, then we have that money in place.
0: Amy Kobabe of KS News Radio, of course, you hear her every day. She's covering this story uh, very closely, tracking it for us on Capitol Hill, the developments on the billion-dollar ballpark, which now may have just shrunk because of the shifting of how they're going to do the taxing on that to more of like a $700 million funding package until lawmakers can get back to the drawing board and figure things out. And I just want to add a my two cents here. This is what happens when lawmakers wait to the last... Last minute to shove a billion dollar taxpayer-funded ballpark uh down our throats, uh, quite frankly, in the final hours, days leading up to the last day of the legislative session. And Amy, before I let you go, um, I also want to point out that part of the old funding package, old being last week's funding package, is this uh rural search and rescue um funding that would have gone to rural communities. Well, uh, they have to dump that out of the package as well. Here's what uh, one lawmaker says.
2: We'll continue to have that conversation to make sure that you're not left out, that rural Utah's needs are going to be met when it comes to emergency medical services, because that part was carved out with, with the substitute.
5: So I always
0: felt like the the selling point for the rural communities to get on board, Amy, with this hotel tax increase was this component where they were going to get extra funding to help with their search and rescue teams because uh, they get tapped out. A lot of people go into the on the trails in the backcountry, they get lost, and then we expect these volunteer search and rescuers to go out and find them and pay for helicopters and all this, you know, the, the sheriff's office have to pick up the tab, uh, but that got bounced out of the bill too. Yeah, so it
4: was just a complete gut of anything relating to that hotel tax completely gone. And so we might see something like that come back. I know uh reporting in Southern Utah for years that uh, I mean there are that they have just um a, a lot of money that goes to rescuing people from Utah and from out of town and uh that's something we're we're footing the bill for in those uh, those small yeah. kind of sheriff's office. Sometimes they're trying to raise money to do that. I know I donated money one time to that effort uh, because they just don't have enough. So, wow. uh, it, you know, that's something that lawmakers say they're going to come back to. They might have to be held to that from those rural communities and say, hey, you know, we were promised this. We'll have to see maybe in future sessions if that comes up.
0: Amy, thank you so much for your coverage. We appreciate you um, letting us know the details on the latest um <laughs> effort to get this major league ballpark funded and straight ahead we're going to have the chief sponsor of this uh taxpayer funded pitch uh up on capitol hill calling the show representative ryan wilcox he joined us last week on the show when his plan was unveiled and now he finds himself in a a pickle um i want to ask him this question does he have any regrets about unveiling this plan uh, in the final days uh, leading up to the end of the 2024 legislative session? Let's just ask him that. Next.
2: Dave, Dave and Dijanovic. Eye on the Hill 2024. Special coverage with Dave and Dijanovic. Uh,
0: We've got to take some time and sort some things out with this Major League ballpark. Um, on the west side of Salt Lake City. Of course, Dave and I spent our entire show in that community yesterday. It was so good to take the show on the road and be in the place where this ballpark will be built or is expected to be built uh, for three hours yesterday. We got a chance to drive around the community and check out, you know, some of the businesses in the area and and, and see what's been going on there. And it's it's gone downhill in a lot of those uh, neighborhoods. And the pitch is that this could revitalize this area. And we've been told for days that tourists would pay for this MLB ballpark through a statewide increase in the hotel room tax. Pay a little bit more for your hotel room stay, and Salt Lake City gets a Major League Baseball Park and a ball team eventually. That's a good point. (laughs) We don't have a ball team yet. President of the Senate, Stuart Adams, was live just a couple of days ago with Tim and Amanda on Utah's Morning News, and this is what he said.
6: Again, uh, most of that will be paid for by those that are bringing them in, by the by the private businesses, by the private entities. But we, are, we do have some tax money that we're putting toward that, but all that will be pretty much paid by out-of-state uh, residents because they'll actually be on hotel fees or car rental fees. And I think that so we're actually making those from out of state help fund those ballparks.
0: Well, during debate yesterday over this bill, which, by the way, Amy Kobe just reported got completely gutted. The hotel room tax is taken out of it. Well, Representative Walt Brooks uh, speaks uh, during debate on the House floor and says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's not all out of state tourists that are going to be picking up the tab. With this hotel room tax, he adds this layer to the conversation.
3: half of our visitors that stay in hotels are you from Salt Lake to come down to St. George. And I could not vote for a bill that's going to increase taxes statewide for this, support, this, this issue.
0: Representative Ryan Wilcox, you're the chief sponsor of this legislation. Thanks so much for joining us once again to walk us through it. But I have to ask you, uh, first and foremost... I feel like we were being told one thing and then Representative Walt Brooks stands up. Uh, he's he represents the St. George area and says, uh, 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 hold on a second. Half of our hotel rooms are, you know, taken by residents on the Wasatch Front. So their Utah residents would ultimately be paying a good bulk of those hotel room taxes. Um, why? Where was that story in, in this original pitch?
7: Well, he's talking about two different things. By the way, good to talk to you. Thank Um, you. His comments, obviously, uh, yesterday, and he said that in his statement, he's talking about St. George area. Right. And I haven't looked at those numbers for every specific part of the state, but actually the the numbers that we got from the Gardner Policy Institute um, the night before last, uh, Natalie Gockner over there, it's actually closer to 7525 statewide. It's not 50. It's not 6040, which is what we talked about previously it's closer to 75, 25. So you're but saying 25, 25 percent. Of per- course, we took that out.
0: So, right. But you're saying 25 percent of Utah's occupy Utah hotel rooms. Is that is that am I understanding that properly?
7: Yeah, that's closer to the accurate number statewide, not just a localized one particular area.
0: But you got that. Why?
7: Uh, we pulled that out because we've had uh, we had some deeper conversations about um, what the impact might be. We wanted to make sure we understood that. And we've uh, if you've been following this conversation, you've known that a big part of that for us was being able to open up that section of code to address rural uh, search and rescue, EMS services across the state. That was uh, really an important part. And frankly, that's one of those where the Wasatch Front in particular and uh, out-of-state visitors really put a strain on a lot of our rural counties um, who, <laughs> who are left with the bill to take care of all of, those of us that uh, like to visit and, frankly, get lost and And leave a mess sometimes so that was uh that was the part of that that was hardest to give up frankly we've been looking for a mechanism to do that for four or five years Uh, we did get an agreement with the senate that they would help us to address that issue in the interim that we will look at the trt uh, whether or not that's being spent the way it needs to be whether or not there's a statewide benefit for how it's currently being appropriated Um, But we are going to continue that conversation. The conversation about what we replaced that with was something that we could all agree on. We did have the vote the other day um, on the original bill. I'll just say that up front. Um, But we also felt like we wanted to make sure everybody was comfortable with what we were doing. And uh, so that's where we ended up with giving up the state portion of the sales tax in the new district, which right now generates nothing. So this would be only from the growth. Uh, from the private investor that's our partner in this.
0: Okay, so this is where I have to, I've got a couple of questions about this. Uh, first, I want to start with that. this. Are, do you regret waiting uh, until the, the basically the final week of the legislative session to announce this bill and get this pushed through? Was this the, Is this a fair way to do this for taxpayers?
7: Yeah, this, this is literally how Utah operates every year, and that's not in a derogatory sense. We've been talking about this bill publicly for a year about this project. We've had town halls all around the state, including in St. George. We've had uh, open conversations, several more media interviews on this topic, and frankly, many of the much more important conversations that we've had. Um, That's largely been driven by uh, these kind of conversations. Um, So, no, it, it wasn't not only not dropped at the last minute, those negotiations were ongoing, Um, And once we felt like it was ready to, um, you know, move into the committee phase, then that's where that went. But certainly there's been plenty of conversation around the topic. Do you
0: think there's enough time for public comment uh, once it came out in its final version, though, yesterday?
7: In the. the, Yeah,
0: the the final version now is.
7: Literally. Yeah, we are we are always taking public comment. We've had, like I said, town halls around the state. We've had. Open conversations. We announced this through the front door. This was not anything like that. Of course, every single bill at the end of the session goes through an opportunity for revision and negotiation. Um, that is how that process works. And of course, our, the public comment that we've heard. In fact, we even took this one uh, to a committee yesterday afternoon um, that wasn't required, um, but just to make sure that we had it for public comment in the Senate, right? This was an opportunity to have that conversation. Uh, specifically for that purpose. But, of course, we are always listening. We are always having those conversations when we need to.
0: Representative, uh, now this final version, when you talk about this sales tax in the district, what does that look like? Sure. Is there an increase in the sales tax in the Fair Park area? No. Okay. go d- explain. Go ahead and explain.
7: This is literally just, just in the district. Um, in other words, an area that is not producing any sales tax right now. It's an industrial zone right now. That will be used to uh, hope, uh, hopefully it will generate enough sales tax for us to do this. But that's the plan, is that we'll invest in that area, meaning the partner will, the private investor will, and then the revenue that we pick up from the sales that are generated in an area that is currently not generating revenue, that's what we'll use to fund the project.
0: And I and I envision the hope would be that in this uh, district would be retail and new restaurants that would also help generate this sales tax.
8: Correct, That's correct,
0: correct. Okay, yes. okay. So, yep. so a lot of development in that area is the vision that will help generate the sales tax. And what? How much could it generate? What is the estimate on that?
7: I think estimates are you know upwards of thirty million a year from that. That's possible. Um, we don't know exactly what that will look like because we're talking about you know our economists' best projections right now what we would expect to happen but we're talking about an area that has been blighted for decades an area that has been neglected for decades an environmental remediation project along the jordan river that has been a problem for decades you would have seen on i think you probably ran a story on ksl about the 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 cartel raid that was conducted on monday down there uh, by salt lake city and uhp um you would have seen um i think 50 something arrests uh, over 100 or excuse me 1,000 fentanyl pills that were, that were collected over there and in addition to cocaine and a bunch of other things. That area, that community has been neglected for far too long. This gives us an opportunity to start the rehabilitation and the environmental remediation from an industrial site, but also to help that community, to help lift that community, get, make sure that it's safe going forward and prepare it so that we have a shot at Major League Baseball. Right. Remember, even the tax that you're talking about right now doesn't go into effect unless – We get the team.
0: All right. We'll let you get back to work on Capitol Hill. Representative Ryan Wilcox, I appreciate you uh, walking us through it, taking my questions um, and uh, giving us some answers. Uh, They think Utahns deserve. I mean, we're putting a lot of money and a lot of effort into bringing a Major League Baseball team to Utah. This doesn't even mention, I haven't even mentioned yet, the NHL arena. We're going to mention that later in the show. Also in the next few minutes, speaking to a tax expert. Um, as well about what his thoughts are on this taxing uh, how these how this uh, how these taxes will be collected. Uh, just saw Dave Noriega in the hallway. That means he is uh, wrapped up talking to Nikki Haley, a presidential candidate in town today in Salt Lake City, heading to Utah Valley University. Fresh off of a yet another primary loss to former President Trump, but she is not backing down. Let's just keep going and, and running through the tape as much as we can.
2: Dave and Dejanovvic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News radio.
0: Well, not only is U.S presidential candidate Nikki Haley in Utah today to rally or to head down to Utah Valley University for a rally, Uh, She also just wrapped up uh, a conversation with our editorial board here, and Dave Noriega was there.
1: Yeah, that's why I missed the first 30 minutes. I wasn't late to work. I was meeting with Nikki Haley.
0: So I'm excited to hear what she had to say and the questions that you were able to squeeze in. Uh, She is heading to Utah. She's in Utah today, fresh off of another loss, another primary loss. It is her fifth loss, uh, this one in Michigan. Losing once again to former President Trump.
8: Let's just keep going and
0: and running through the tape as much as we can. Uh, Did you get that sense from her that she is uh, still on the path, Dave?
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, that was the first question, is you've now been through five primaries. Every single one was a decisive victory for Trump. Decisive. Uh, Even best performance in New Hampshire was still double digits. So the question was, why stay in it? And she said, you're focusing on the wrong number. It's very easy to look that Trump beat me 60 to 40 here or 70-30 there, 70-30. She said, but what you're not looking at is the 30 to 40% of Republican voters in a primary that are choosing someone else, that's the number that should concern you. They don't want Trump. Republicans that don't want Trump. Mm -hmm. It's one thing if those are the numbers in a general election, and that's where she kept going back to is saying he is not capable of winning a general election because so many Republicans are saying no specifically to Trump. He has his base. He has the diehards that will never leave him. But what do you do with that 30 or 40 percent of Republicans that are searching for somebody else?
0: Dave uh, was in an editorial board meeting with uh, Nikki Haley, Republican candidate uh, for the White House, lost again last night to President Trump in Michigan. Uh, she's lost in Nevada. She's lost in Iowa. She's lost in her home state where she was governor of South Carolina. She's lost in New Hampshire. Super uh, Super Tuesday. In Utah, uh, around many other states around the nation, uh, is uh, March 5th. So that's coming up really, really quickly. Um, I'm curious what she had to say, Dave, uh, in terms of the question that you said you wanted to ask her, is why her message isn't resonating, when clearly, in a head-to-head hypothetical in the general election, she beats Biden. The latest poll I saw was by 16 points. She trounces him.
1: Yeah, and— and, I, and we wanted to know, this really was at the crux, what is not resonating with Republicans? Because if you look at it logically and say, okay, if the ultimate goal is to win the White House, it's not to win a, a primary in the spring, it's to win the White House, and you have a double-digit lead head-to-head with Biden, what is happening with Republicans? And she said this, I don't judge the people you want to serve. She looked at Trump and said, I think a lot of voters saw him when he was president as someone that didn't get an ounce of peace or a moment of credit, and that this is an opportunity right now to right a wrong.
0: That the voters are, the, are in Trump's camp want to right a wrong. I tend to agree with that. It's, it's kind of like when you, when you keep, keep losing, you keep of, under Trump, the red wave, has never materialized and all the promises that he's made that it's gonna happen has never materialized. So Republicans are struggling on a lot of fronts in a lot of different, you know, elections and election cycles. And it feels like we're we're gonna come back and we're gonna show you this time, same team, same leader, but we're gonna we're gonna prove you wrong.
1: I think it was as accurate and as well put a peek into the mind of the Republican voter, as I've heard so far. Again, she said they feel that Donald Trump has not been given an ounce of peace or a moment of credit for the things that he had done when he was in the White House.
0: What does she feel about—look, uh, I, I want to address—I've that. been wanting to address this for a while. I Her resume is stellar, okay? She served as a uh, first female governor in South Carolina— daughter of immigrants who started a small business and built it into a very successful company. She worked there as a teenager, full respect. I worked at my family business um, as a teenager and even probably a little younger. Uh, no, I was probably 13 years old when I started working there. It's a lot of work uh, in a small business. It's all hands on deck. You're building it from the ground up. Um, if mom and dad get paid, the kids eat. I mean, that's if mom and dad are successful in that small business, then you get to maybe eat extra lean hamburger on a Saturday night. You get 80-20 hamburger.
1: That that is exactly how
0: it is. So I have a ton of respect. She's an author. I think she's written at least two books that I know of. Um, And yet she cannot get out of the starting blocks with the Republican Party. So let me address this. This That's the elephant in the room. Is it because she's a woman? Um, There's plenty of polling. We can get into that later on um, will we have a female president ever in my lifetime, I'm 50, almost 57 years old. And I wonder this and I think, OK, yeah, come on, Republicans. Is this because she's a woman? Uh, did she address that, Dave?
1: Absolutely, she did. And she had a fascinating response.
0: I have said this and I truly
8: believe it. There will be a female president of the United States. It will either be me or it will
0: be Kamala Harris.
1: Wow, that was A picture.
0: Reading between the lines. What does she mean by that? that President Biden isn't going to finish out his term after he wins the White House. Yeah,
1: exactly what it is. Whether he gets elected and shortly after resigns because of whatever made up excuse or real excuse, whatever it might be, she is absolutely convinced that Joe Biden is not there. If he gets elected, he will not serve out the full four years. He will step down. Kamala Harris will take over. Because she doesn't see any path where Donald Trump wins the general election. So, again, as she described it, there will be a female in the White House in this next election <laughs> it's cycle. Either gonna it's either going to be me, who obviously can win the White House, according to Nikki Haley, or it's going to be Kamala Harris, who takes over for Joe Biden.
0: Well, and if Kamala Harris becomes president, guess what? She gets to run for 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 another term.
1: Yes. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Republicans! You're painting yourself into a corner. You're painting yourself into a corner. Hey, she said a lot more at the editorial board meeting. We Dave just, you know, touched on a few things that, that fascinated him and caught his attention. Um, we're getting all of that sound that was recorded during that editorial board meeting, a little behind-the-scenes action here, loaded into the system, and our producers and editors will be editing it, and we will uh, put it on the air in the 10 o'clock hour, Dave.
1: She spoke to us for 25 minutes, and it was impressive. We've talked to a lot of politicians, smooth, concise, well-spoken, articulate. It was an impressive 25 minutes.
0: I'm looking forward to hearing more on this in our 10 o'clock hour, Dave. Um, straight ahead, we know that Utah lawmakers had to toss out the package uh, to help fund a Major League Baseball park. Just spoke live to Representative Ryan Wilcox about how that's going to work. You'll hear more from him in just a few minutes about how this new tax package will specifically target the ballpark area where the this, uh, uh, this stadium will be built. But we're going to get our tax act expert we had on the air yesterday back on the line straight ahead because there's a huge question here. After they got rid of the hotel room tax because Southern Utah and other rural communities just didn't like it, that statewide tax, there may not be enough money generated from this new tax to fund the billion-dollar ballpark.
2: Dave and Janovic. Eye on the Hill 2024. Special coverage with Dave and Dejanovic.
0: So Utah lawmakers certainly not throwing a perfect game. Uh, when it, I, I mean, not throwing a perfect proposal uh, on this MLB stadium funding issue. Things got really messy yesterday. They took a timeout on the Hill. Then they came back. Uh, they ended up tossing out the hotel room tax, Dave, which was kind of news to you this morning.
1: Absolutely, and that's a problem. I mean, that's a big problem because if you're not going to fund it, if you don't have a very clear way to pay for the entire project, then they take their ball and they go home.
0: I just wrapped up a, a live interview with Representative Ryan Wilcox, who's been spearheading this funding package that's gotten a lot of pushback. So they dumped out the hotel room tax Um, And they, in exchange, uh, they said that that district, that area, would keep the sales tax that's generated from new retail and restaurants in that area. Here's Representative Ryan Wilcox on the air moments ago. When you talk about this sales tax in the district, what does that look like? Is there an increase in the sales tax in the Fair Park area? Okay. Not explain. Go ahead and explain.
7: This is literally just, just in the district. Um, In other words, an area that is not producing any sales tax right now. It's an industrial zone right now. That will be used to uh, uh, hopefully it will generate enough sales tax for us to do this. But that's the plan is that we'll invest in that area, meaning the partner will, the private investor will. And then the revenue that we pick up from the sales that are generated in an area that is currently not generating revenue, that's what we'll use to fund the project.
1: Joining us right now is Steve Young, a tax lawyer, a chair of the state and local tax committee of the American Bar Association. And Steve, when you saw that get stripped out, that uh, transient room tax, and now they're admitting we might be several hundred million dollars short on this, what do you make of it?
9: Very interesting for sure. I think the the plan, it sounds to me, is that they're just going to wait and see how this plays out over the next you know, it's 2024, 2030, I think is when they have to have the team picked. And so, it, you know, what's the economic growth in that district going to look like over the next six years? Maybe it'll be greater than anticipated, and that's sort of the, the hope. And if so, then all these – it's not just the sales tax. That's the new piece they just added. But the original bill had various other taxes from the district going to fund the repayment of the bonds on the stadium for that $900 million. And that's, that's sort of the hope that, you know, you, you give this big shot of economic boost to that district, that, you know, west side area, and that there's enough economic activity through, you know, hotels and restaurants and, and uh, sales of merchandise, you know, you know, let's say it's the Utah baseball team, whatever the, the name is. Utah blizzards or something, maybe that's the hockey team. I don't know what the name will be. (laughs) Anyway, you you sell a bunch of, a bunch of merchandise for that team and and that's all sold around the stadium. And then that new 4.7% sales tax, that all gets funded into this campaign to repay the bonds. And so that, that's sort of the hope, but, you know, clearly some uh, interesting dynamics at play, you know, I didn't see the hotel tax falling off. That was sort of a uh, strategy to tax the out-of-staters that would be coming into the state to stay in the hotels, but those in Southern Utah really objected. Uh, those in Park City, it sounds like, felt like that's, you know, not appropriate to use all those funds for the right. the stadium. So so they've gone back to now the 4.7% sales tax, which wasn't in there originally, but, you know, now all those merchandise sales, uh, instead of just the hotel and uh, other taxes, but all those merchandise sales around the stadium will go to, to help fund us now under this current proposal. So, so the only way this works, I think, is if that growth is so substantial and you know the team comes and, and, and it all uh, works yeah. economically to, to bring in enough money.
0: Steve Young is a partner with Holland and Hart and chair of the state and local tax committee of the American Bar Association. Really appreciated him being on the show with us yesterday as we broadcast live from that ballpark community or what will become eventually the ballpark community on the west side of Salt Lake City and Steve that's that is a big what if i mean it sounds like almost like a chicken and an egg scenario you know it, it, we have to get a baseball team really for development to take off in that area and so as a tax expert is this the best way or the best way to do things in your view from that 30,000 foot up level
9: well for better or for worse, it's sort of the the economy we live in now, where these sort of public-private partnerships happen all over the country for all kinds of economic development reasons. And, the you know, there's upfront costs that have to be incurred, and then there's what we call tax increment financing where, you know, in whatever area, let's take the Convention Center Hotel downtown. That was started in 2014, and it was a public-private partnership where in that area – the Hyatt that's now downtown, you know, was, it was agreed by the state in 2014. They get a portion of those taxes back over the next 25 years okay. to help fund that. And now it's come to fruition. The hotel's been built. And in order to make that happen, it wasn't happening with, with private money alone. So there had to be a public-private partnership for that for that to work. And, and over time, that appears to have been a, a positive thing. It's been good for the tourism industry, the convention industry, in the state, and if you look around the state, um, we're always competing with states in the Midwest, states on the coast, for economic activities, including a Major League Baseball team. You know, other other cities are having this exact same conversation and trying to come up with a package that works. Yeah. And for better or for worse, it's just the world that we live in now, and it's a, it's a competition amongst states, yeah. and you have to put up some sort of public money often especially in a, a relatively small market like Salt Lake. Yeah, you're competing LA, with other, LA, other cities. LA, New York.
1: Exactly. You're competing yeah. with other cities. And if you don't have a good enough uh, offer, if you don't make a good enough proposal, then they go somewhere else. Thank you, Steve.
0: Uh, next, Dave has more with, from his conversation with presidential candidate Nikki Haley.
8: When you're running for president,
0: this is about addition.
8: It's about bringing as many people in as you can. It's not about pushing people out of your club.
0: Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Yudianovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at nine.
1: And every day we start off with the launch, so the keyword is going to be launch.
0: So text that keyword to five seven five zero zero, and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros.
2: Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. I have said this
8: and I truly believe it. There will be a female president of the United States. It will either be me or it will be Kamala Harris.
0: Those words just uttered just not too long ago by Nikki Haley. Um, Dave was in on the editorial board meeting um, with the Desert News, KSL, um, Spoke to Nikki Haley live in person. Yeah. Uh, And she said, hey, you know what? There's going to be a female president. It's one of many things that she said. It'll either be me or it'll be Kamala Harris, which is a message.
1: There's so much in that statement. It's very simply put, but it says so much. Number one, it's either going to be me, meaning I've got to win the primary." Uh, Donald Trump will not win a general election. That's what she's saying. So, if there's any chance for a Republican to run and win, it's me. So, it's either going to be me or it's going to be Kamala Harris, meaning Joe Biden would beat Donald Trump. And Joe Biden's not going to serve four years, another four years. It Starting at 81 years old, he'd be 85 by the time his term is done. She's absolutely convinced that Kamala Harris would have to take over for Joe Biden for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Whether he dies in office mm-hmm. or he resigns, he steps down, he—who knows? What's well, a strategy.
0: Number. It's a strategy the Democrats could very well be using. Absolutely. To, to win, win the Oval Office. They've seen the numbers. The latest polls show Nikki Haley would uh, beat Biden by 16 points and that Biden would beat Trump by I think 4 or 5 points right now.
1: There and there are some That are closer. That that have Trump winning there as well. Yeah. Oh, They're like all a, within the margin of error both like sides. A, it's a
0: it's by a By like a fleck flip. of dust he well, would be. I mean it's it's way it her neither chances Neither are guaranteed. But her chances in polling and and if you're going to believe the polling In the primary with the Republicans, um, which has shown, you know, time and time again that President Trump will, you know, beat Haley in a a primary, uh, then you got to believe the polling the other way, too. So there we are. So what else did she talk about?
1: There's really in this 25 minute talk that we had with Mm. Nikki Haley, she really, really went after Donald Trump on on a lot of different levels. But the question was. Uh, kind of to your point, what is it about Republicans that all the polls show, if you go head-to-head, Haley, Biden, you win easily. Why are they willing to take a maybe with a Trump-Biden rematch? And what do you say to the voters in these states, the primaries that have already happened, where they have chosen? They had an opportunity to choose you, but they still chose Trump. What do you say to that?
8: Yeah, I don't judge them for that. And I think that's the problem in politics is you're not supposed to judge the people you want to serve. You're supposed to communicate what needs to happen. I think there's a couple of things. One is Republicans saw that Donald Trump didn't get an ounce of peace or a moment's credit. And they feel like they, he fought for them. And now they feel like they're fighting back for him. What I want to tell all of those Republicans is you can like him all you want. I voted for Trump twice. I was proud to serve America in his administration. But the reality is, he will not win a general election.
1: Didn't get an ounce of peace or a moment of credit. And now it's our turn to fight for him. I think that sums up Republican voters that are supporting Trump right now as well as anything I've ever heard. They feel like they're fighting for him because he fought. So when you look at the indictments that are going on right now, and there's over 90, a lot of Republicans, a lot of voters, a lot of Utahns, over 60% believe that all of that is politically motivated to keep Trump from running or winning the White House.
0: Because you can't tell me their policy positions are that different. No, I mean maybe there are some things here and there, some nuances that are going to be different between the two of them. But you can't tell me um, that that you know the fact that she's uh, served as UN ambassador, the fact that she served as a governor, um, first female elected to governor in South Carolina, a daughter of immigrants, built business from the ground up, small business. Um, she's got that in her DNA. So you you it's like what is it about president trump that republicans are so hooked on or she, mesmerized by
1: she did bring up several instances where she thinks that trump failed he, she said that republicans are supposed to be the conservatives we're not spending money but then she pointed to trump's presidency where he spent trillions and trillions of dollars did not cut spending did not gave tax cuts but did not cut spending and remember, when Trump was first elected, he had the White House, the House of Representatives, and the Senate. Nothing happened on the border. That's another thing she said, is why couldn't we get anything done on the border? Why couldn't we get anything done with spending? So, yeah, there's some similarities in their policies, of course, all conservatives. But she pointed
0: out the differences.
1: She said, he's still not talking about the debt. Should they We're going to
0: fight i think
8: so that's why i'm running i mean i think that that we're better than this and i think that you know america has an amazing ability to self-correct sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to know where up is we're there now we just have to see if everybody's willing to go up and honestly it takes a lot of courage it takes courage for people to believe that they can be part of the solution
0: i do feel like there's a sense of oh we'll just settle we settle in our personal relationships. That's why the divorce rate is so high. We're settling in our politics. That's why we continue to elect and gravitate toward the same candidates over mm-hmm. and over again. I'm curious, though, what else she had to say. What what resonated with you, Dave, when you were in on that, that editorial board meeting
1: with Nikki Haley this morning? She brought up Trump's humility. And I think that's a word that... <laughs> I think most people would agree, is not a word that often uh, gets coupled with Donald Trump.
8: When you're running for president, this is about addition. It's about bringing as many people in as you can. It's not about pushing people out of your club. And that's why he won't win a general election, is because he's not humble enough to realize you need them.
1: She said he's not getting the independents. He's not getting any Democrats right now. Right now he's getting hardcore Republicans. And they are propelling him to victory in these primaries.
0: I'm also curious what she said about, um, um, you know, why President Trump, um, you know, he's been promising this red wave. <laughs> and it never materializes. It's laughable now. Folks, there's no red wave. There's no red wave coming to save you. you got to save the, the party if you want the white house
1: that is in part what frustrates haley is because he has been so prominent as the figurehead of the republican party and she said he's got his fingerprints on on every yeah. aspect of it
8: it is why donald trump will not win because if you look at all of those demographics going back to 2016 look at how it continues to fall and look at the races it's bringing down with it. I mean, that's that's the key is you have to bring those people in. Since he lost the races in Georgia, what has he done to bring any of those people in? Nothing. He lost in 2018, he lost in 2020, he lost in 2022. But look a couple of weeks ago, Republicans lost the vote on Israel. Republicans lost the vote on the border. The RNC chair lost her job. Donald Trump had his fingerprints on all of it.
1: So at what point will he be held responsible for this string of losses? That's what Nikki Haley is asking.
0: Nikki Haley in town today spoke to our editorial board meeting. Uh, earlier this morning, Dave was sitting in on that. Thanks so much for bringing us uh, that Recording of that conversation with her, you said she was with the editorial board for 25 minutes. There's much more still ahead because Boyd Matheson also sitting down for a conversation with Nikki Haley as well. He'll be joining us in the 11 o'clock hour for, uh, with his takeaways of that conversation. And then she's heading down to Utah Valley University. What are her plans for the rest of the day, Dave?
1: That's, that's the extent of it. And we were asking if, you know, what are your plans looking forward? And she said, I am... One of those people that looks at where I'm at right now in the moment, I'm not looking in the future. I'm not looking to Super Tuesday. I'm paying attention to you, Tom, I'm paying attention to you, the editorial board, one step at a time.
0: Well that's how you make people feel like they matter.
1: I'll tell when you When you're in the moment with them. we've We've done a lot of interviews. we've spoken to a lot of politicians uh, it, and this was as impressive. A 25 minutes, as, as I've seen, she was articulate, she was strong, uh, her opinions were clear, and it was hopeful. You could tell that she still maybe, disappointed in the loss in Michigan and the previous primaries, but she's still hopeful. She thinks that Americans will eventually kind of snap out of it and realize the only chance for Republicans to win the presidency is through her. Dave and Dujanovic. Dave and Dujanovic.
0: Hey, don't forget, it's secret contest time. It's uh, for our podcast listeners. It runs through the end of the month. Uh, by the way, we're in a leap year. um, So we got an extra day. Here's what you need to do. You need to find our podcast, The Dave and Dujanovic Show, a KSL Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: And then you're going to listen for me. I'm very very clear and obvious about this. I say, this is the keyword. <laughs> I give you the keyword. You take the keyword. You text it to five seven five zero zero, and you are entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. Right on the money. Special coverage with Dave and DeJenevic.
0: Well, the first headline that I read about this, I read it last night, Dave, as I was uh, looking over headlines. I was, I was lying in bed uh, TMI. But I see that Surge pricing is coming to Wendy's, Wendy's uh, fast food restaurants. I'm like surge pricing, you mean the same stuff they pull with Uber and Lyft? Like when things get really busy, the prices go up and up and up and up and up. But now Wendy's is coming out and according to CNN has issued a statement and they're like, oh, whoa, 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 what, what? Whoa. It's called dynamic pricing <laughs> and what we meant is, yeah, we'll be testing it but that there's a chance that this could also mean that they will lower pricing. So they're getting these new menu signs that are digital and you can change them. It kind of reminds me of what you see at the gas station. You know, you no longer see somebody out there manually changing numbers at the, at the at the gas pump anymore. It just flips automatically. So Wendy's is getting into the dynamic pricing
1: business. Do you want me to rock your world right Please now? Please do. Now, I haven't been eating fast food for the last month, but it hasn't been so far removed that I that I don't know the tricks. But did you know this is already happening? Really? Yeah. If you go to a McDonald's in Salt Lake or a McDonald's in Kaysville, a McDonald's in Ogden, they're not the same price. What are
0: you doing testing these? <laughs> You're sending family members to each of the McDonald's restaurants at the same time. No, I've <laughs> eaten
1: at the McDonald's in Salt Lake, Kaysville, and Ogden. Trust me, okay. I know. And I order the same thing, it's never the same price. So every franchise can tweak and manipulate and change the prices. Back when they had the dollar menu, those were set, but the combo meals Hmm. the cost for the hamburgers or the chicken sandwich or the filet of fish okay. or the McRib that should never be invented in the first place. Listen, all of that stuff is different.
0: But if I'm going to the same restaurant every day or okay. every week yeah, in my neighborhood, yep. yeah, I'm not going to be driving around, yeah. you know, 17 different zip codes to compare, to price shop, you know, a, a Big Mac.
1: You'll do it for gas, but not a burger. No, but okay, here's the good. thing.
0: if If Wendy's... Well, um, if Wendy's is going to go get into surge pricing and it does not benefit me, buy. Buy. I, I, I don't want to get. Look, when you get into a yeah. drive-through line, let's face it, you get trapped in that Yeah, you're line. in. You're in. Yeah. You got the. There's no
1: escape hatch. You've
0: got the SUV behind you. Yeah. You've got seven cars in front of you. And, you know, trucks are piling up behind the SUV and you're not going anywhere, especially when you get between the two medians right yeah you're just stuck yep, you're there so you can't dive out of it and if i see any restaurant engaging in surge pricing because you know when you just happen to be there at the right moment i seem to always be there at the right moment when i see the prices change like at the gas pump i'm like oh i missed it by two cents i i, I would i might put it in a four-wheel drive and like just get you're gonna right off-road over. Road it yeah I'm in, like, on an elephant's back in Moab, man. I am over the median, and I'm out of the line.
1: Okay, but you deal with surge pricing with Uber and I, Lyft. I shop
0: around. I flip between the apps, and so I'm not yeah, ashamed. you try to find the best I'm one. I'm not ashamed but... to call up my, my, my daughter and say, I need, Mom needs a ride. Mom needs a ride, because that that ride went from $15 to $25 in the time I flipped between apps.
1: And I'm not doing it. And you made a decision. This is where I think dynamic pricing is going to be a very good thing. If you're going at six o'clock or six thirty, you know, right, right in the heart of dinner and the lines are long, why not increase the price? That that makes a little sense. But then you have some off hours we- three o'clock in the afternoon Time out. where you have nobody in line and you are just begging for people did, to get in line did
0: i hear you right you said it's okay yeah to up the price for sure why
1: because you, it, supply and demand it,
0: corporate dave here
1: yeah no i
0: supply and demand it's not good for you it's not good for your kids
1: but listen when i'm desperate if i'm going through the the drive through at 6 30 it's because i got to get calories in the kids i do not care if it's healthy i just need calories for the kids so i will pay a premium because it's the busiest time they've got to overstaff this. So I understand. I would I would I would be oh, fine be with furious.
0: that. Look, I'm I'm all in the camp. Uh this is probably why um I will never be a CEO. I can't run a corporation because I'm in the camp of the customer. I'm in that drive-through line with y'all. And if I see surge pricing happening, we're going to protest together. I mean, it'll be It'll be a peaceful protest, but we're going to protest together. I'm going to rally everybody out, and I'm going to get us all through that drive-through line without making a purchase. I'm going to go buy uh, everybody's dinner across the street just to prove a point. I'm not on the side of corporate America when it comes to taking advantage of busy families. I've been that mom who doesn't have any food in the fridge, who's sitting in a drive-through, and I'm already feeling defeated because I didn't plan and meal prep anything, and it was. 99.9% of the time, it was my job to do it. So basically what you're doing is taking advantage of moms who already feel defeated because they haven't fallen, you know, haven't, you know, gotten anything together for dinner that night. And we're spinning into the taco drive through or the hamburger drive through And now you're going to, you're going to stick it to us even more. I think it's just wrong and, and I, I don't like the message this sense. Now, remind you that Wendy's is like, oh, no, we meant that it actually could mean lower prices. It's not, Yeah, we're changing the boards at the drive-thru, and we're changing the boards so we can flip between prices. But this could bring lower prices, too. So that's their statement as of today.
1: And this is the second element to it, why I like both sides of it. If you're extra busy and you've got to overstaff the dinner hours and you want to bring more people in— and you've got to pay for that and you got to raise prices. okay I'm fine with that. but if it if there's another layer to it where you are running on a skeleton staff, it's three o'clock in the afternoon where nobody is eating, well if you want to encourage people to, to come eat a little earlier and you drop it down 10, 20 percent or you you have a true dollar menu for those hours, that's what dynamic pricing allows you to do Dave.
0: I just looked up Wendy's profits. It was more than $2 billion in 2022. It surged up 4%. They're not hurting, my friend. So I, I don't I, look if surge pricing does not work in this mother's favor, she's gone. I'm never coming back to that restaurant again. I don't care if I'm in the middle of nowhere. And it is the only restaurant after the mirage in the desert. Trust me, friends, I'm driving on by. We better have some old French fries that slid between the seats seven years ago. Because that's what we're munching on until we get to the next city. And I can go through a drive through line that doesn't surge price. I won't do it. I just won't do it. Phone calls? Let's do phone calls. 801 talk eight zero one five seven five talk Would you do that? Would you pull a Debbie? Would you pull a Debbie on this one? If you saw a restaurant surge pricing when you were standing in line or you found out they were doing this to your kids like on their lunch break from high school, would you boycott that place as a family? eight zero one five seven five talk Your call's next. We just heard from Dan Mamas. He just broke the news moments ago um, that... Senator Mitch McConnell has announced he's going to step down as Senate leader in November. We've been monitoring the live feeds. Uh, Dave, you've, you've got uh, a feed pulled up from us for us from who? Who's this from? MSNBC. MSNBC let's listen..
5: However, I'll complete my job. my colleagues are given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. I'll finish the job the people of Kentucky hired me to do as well, albeit from a different seat. And I'm actually looking forward to that. So it's time for me to think about another season. I love the Senate. It's been my life. There may be more distinguished members of this body throughout Our history, but I doubt there were any with any more admiration for the Senate. After all this time, I still got a thrill walking into the Capitol and especially on this venerable floor, knowing that we, each of us.
0: That's Republican Minority Leader leader Mitch McConnell announcing um, live right now that he is stepping down as the GOP leader in November uh, he's been there a very, very long time. Uh, he turned 82 years old last week. Uh, he's been there since the mid-80s, 1985. And of course, uh, if you recall, in the last several months, he's had a few um, instances where it looks like he's having some medical episodes that have concerned you know, the, the public, uh, his, his el- electorate, and uh, folks uh, back on Capitol Hill as well.
1: The big announcement, obviously, is that he's stepping down. I think an interesting detail that he just mentioned is that he will continue to serve out his term. His term doesn't end until 2027. Mm -hmm. So he'll he'll give up his seat, but he'll still serve for another three years.
0: We'll continue to track the developments on this breaking story with our team of reporters and producers. Let's get Right on the money.
2: Right on the money. Special coverage with Dave and Djanovic. Well,
0: first, we thought Wendy's was announcing surge pricing. That's what all the the you know stories, news articles that I read about it uh, last night were saying is that they're going to do surge pricing. So when things get really busy, they're going to up the price. But now they've come out and clarified and said, oh, no, no, no. It's like dynamic pricing. And with these new uh, menu boards that are digital, we'll be able to maybe lower the prices from time to time. But I am anti-surge pricing through and through. I will walk through the desert uh, to the next restaurant before I get surge priced.
1: I just won't do it. It's because you haven't experienced the good part of surge pricing or dynamic pricing as they're calling it let me tell you my son absolutely experiences this every day at lunch there's restaurants around the high school that he attends there's one right now that only during school lunch hours he can go and get a burger and fries are you ready for this two bucks two dollars for burger and fries. It's only for students. It's only during those lunch <laughs> yeah, hours. That's
0: the that, that's the surging pricing I love to hear about.
1: Yeah, it's it's but, what happens. You can when you have dynamic pricing, you can offer some specials. We want to
0: take your live phone calls. 801-575 talk Bob. Uh are, are you in my camp on this one? <laughs> Would you never go back?
10: Yeah, I, I am on your camp totally <laughs> and I want to tell you a little story. About a rideshare company. I took my family to Hawaii in January. There were 10 of us. Our flight got canceled at 11 p.m. at night. We couldn't get rental cars back because they were closed. So we had to get uh, hired. I'll tell you who it was. It was (laughs) Lyft. Hired Lyft to pick us up. We had to have two cars. They charged me $166 to go from the airport to the hotel the second one came and he said to me i'm going to cancel your request you have to pay me in cash and charged me 69 dollars to take us to the airport i was (laughs) stuck i had little kids Yep. and i was totally price gouged
0: (laughs) bob we're so sorry uh, we're so sorry, uh, Sam Samuel from American Fork. Uh, what do you what What do you feel about this surge pricing? As you are you as hot about it as I am?
11: Well, can you hear me? Okay. Oh, we can. Okay, great. You know, I think to to Bob's point, when you're stuck in a predicament and you have to be in that position, that that's one thing, right? Because you you do feel the victim of, hey, I'm just a beholden of some guy or some company who's Taking it to me. When we're talking like fast food, um, yeah, I like it's a product and a service. If you don't like it, you walk away. Yep. If you like it, and it works for you. You jump in, and and I think our market really lends to that kind of uh, approach. Where there's a lot of companies, I never go back. If I have a bad experience, I'm like, sorry guys, you you, <laughs> you had one shot, that was it. I'm out. So I think from a perspective of just how the market runs, I'm always voting with my choice and and I appreciate that there are choices if if McDonald's wants to serve breakfast 24 hours a day I am in I like breakfast <laughs> if, if they don't then, then I'm out
0: I I'm I'm with you, oh, you Samuel I absolutely I love the McDonald's hash browns every single time thanks for your take on that Dave wanted to
1: to say something I went to a fast food place early morning I was starving I grab something, and they're like, "Uh, do you want to supersize monster size that? I'm like, yeah, sure, double supersize monster it. And I get the bill. It was for one person. It was a sandwich a drink and some French fries, whatever, uh, hash browns. $14.72. It was $14 for a fast food breakfast, (laughs) and I was done with them. I will never go back. I was wrong.
0: You were bugged.
1: Yeah. I remember
0: that day. And that's
1: the danger of dynamic pricing. If you get gouged, you may lose that customer forever. You may have made an extra buck, but that's it.
0: Um, Right now, the Wendy's Baconator, Dave, is almost $9. Our producer looked it up to order it on an app just a few moments ago. And this is not the entire meal. That is just the Wendy's Baconator $8.69. $8.69. Now, I don't remember the last time I had a Wendy's baconator. It sounds delicious. It's just not my style at age 56. <laughs> they can't surge price that. They cannot surge price that. Any any restaurant that already has a $9 fast food burger and tries to surge price? Yeah, I'm out.
2: Dave and Dujanovic, Dave and Dujanovic, priced out, housing, special coverage with Dave and Dujanovic.
0: We're so excited to have the support of the Stern team, Um, of course, big name in real estate all over Utah. When we go in depth on being priced out of housing, they've been very, very helpful with direction on where the market is going, where interest rates are going. And from time to time, we have them in studio with us. Uh, Today, uh, with their support, I'm going to talk to you, Dave, and our listeners about prepping your home for sale. Spring is a big time uh, for home sales, a lot of uh, sellers will be you know, looking to put their home on the market. A lot of buyers will be out looking around. Because traditionally, this is my experience as a home buyer and a seller, and I've sold a number of properties and I've bought a number of properties um, in my time. Um, people want to buy a home in the spring, early summer, because they want to be settled in for the school year when the school year starts.
1: And it makes a lot of sense. There's a practicality that comes to this. But when you're selling, there's kind of this sweet spot where – you don't want to sell it in one day, and you don't want to sell it three months down the road, right? You, you're trying to find can I get as much money as possible from it uh, hmm. without overpricing it, and then having to do these. So that's know, not lower my things? philosophy
0: at all. And I have sold many homes, and I've sold
1: because you're underpricing it, Deb. Two,
0: no, I've sold two homes. Actually, that's not true either. Um, and let me get to that in just a moment. Um, I do feel like I've become this sort of like this expert in this area about selling your home quickly, getting the most you can get out of it, not overpricing it because that is the death of a quick sale. And I've sold two homes in one day. I've sold one home in two days. And in the uh, very downturn of the market, I remember back in 09, 10, 11, when nothing was moving, I sold a home in under three weeks. When nothing was moving for months at a time, our home sold in three weeks. And there's a method to my madness, and I want to share it with you. Let's hear it. Because I actually feel like of the two of us, I probably have a lot more experience in this arena. And it's not because I'm underpricing it. I'm not fire selling my home. In fact, the way I've done this, Dave, I have made a lot more than listing price on my homes. A, A lot more. So let's start with this. The first thing you need to do is: Are you interested? Absolutely. You look it you're looking oh, at me like man. I'm like nuts. Okay, no. all right. So let's go. Let's. I mean, let's I'm, talk I'm just telling out.
1: you, you have the experience. I didn't pull that thought right out of my uh, ear. That was told to me by a realtor. You know that there's a, that? a balance of of you don't want to sell too quick, but you feel differently. Know why, That's why, fine.
0: Why would you not want to sell too quick? What was the philosophy there? The
1: idea is if it's too good of a deal. And people are snatching it up immediately, you probably could have added an extra ten thousand or fifteen thousand to your price.
0: Okay. So here's my experience. Um you gotta start eight to twelve weeks in advance. You to, to prep your home before you ever get it on the market. You've already I always use a real estate agent. That's just my philosophy. A lot of folks tend or want to do the DIY home sales. I'm not at all intrigued About by that. that. You're right. Right. I get a real estate agent and I'm already sitting down with them. Weeks before it goes on on the market. Um, and then before we do anything, we, before we take photographs, before we uh, we have already started talking about pricing, before we go in depth on pricing, I am making landfill runs. I'm going through every nook and cranny. I'm throwing stuff away. I am the best. My best friend now is at the drive through at the at the local donation center. I, I was at the landfill in my last home sale no less than eight times. I'm dumping stuff we no longer need and that is not useful to anybody else. I'm removing, old fo- I'm removing family photos from the walls. I'm getting rid of them. The last thing I want to do is have a potential buyer not be able to see past my bridal portrait mm. and see their own family in that home. It's no longer going to be my home. It's right. going to be their home. They don't need to see uh, pictures of my kids when they were one year
1: old. Is that hard? No,
0: not at all. Because at this point, this is another important thing. Because you're
1: removing the memories.
0: So this is another important thing. And this is where I push back on what that real estate agent told you about uh, not in one day. This is no longer an emotional issue. This is strictly a business transaction. Do you think Walmart wants to leave things marinating and rotting on the shelf? They want to move merchandise. And that is my philosophy. I have made the decision to sell. I'm not kidding. I'm not messing around with this you've I already am,
1: made peace with it i'm all you're in. saying goodbye to your children's yeah, wall not, that has little yeah, markers I'm on not, there i'm
0: not interested in five days of open houses sorry to the real estate agent i'm just not interested in getting out of the house over and over again and having the phone ring at 8, eight o'clock the night before and say oh guess what can you get the, you know, the kids out of the house today and tomorrow or tomorrow and the next day and the next day because we're going to have some showings i'm going to move this house and move it as quickly you're going to the dollar store, you're buying all the cleaning supplies and you're going to scrub that top to bottom and this is not the time to start remodeling. You're not pulling up carpet and redoing carpet. This is my view and this is how I do it. You're cleaning the carpets. Yes, you're paying a couple hundred bucks to clean the carpets or you're buying a, a cleaner yourself and doing it yourself, whatever the case. But you're going to put in $4,000 of new carpet and that buyer's going to come in and go like, oh shoot, I like pink carpet or I want hardwoods. So you've spent four grand, you've spent a lot of time, you've made arrangements to get all your furniture out of there, and now you're the buyer comes in, and they, trust me, they will not like what you have. Not one buyer has come in and kept what I've had. They're going to make it their own, and they should. Yeah. It's their home now. It's no longer yours.
1: There's also a, a flip side to that: as you're decluttering and you're hauling all that stuff off to the landfill, you're not hauling that into your new house. So. Perhaps you don't need three full U-hauls of stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know you're already getting rid of it.
0: I hired movers uh, because for the big stuff, I think my bill was maybe five or six hundred dollars. Oh wow. That's because tough. I'd gotten rid of so much stuff. I'd sold stuff, I gave stuff away. right? Gustavo? Where's Gustavo? He knows. <laughs> Give him some nice chairs for his family. Um, anything that went outside never was allowed to come back inside. If I had a garage sale and I put it out, it didn't come back in the house. Now this is the next part, it's the pricing. Uh, and this is where your real estate agent's like, oh, it gets, you know, super tricky because you don't want to sell it too quickly. I, What's my time worth? $10,000? Probably not. I have found that you've got a price based on the condition of your home, the area of town you live in, and the market situation. Okay. It's not your fault if you got to sell and you got to move because you're moving for your job and it is like the worst time to sell a home. You just got to have to accept that. It's yeah. part of the business transaction that you're now in. You're letting go. You've let it go of the emotions. This house is going to be somebody else's. Okay, you're moving the merchandise. That's all you're doing. And so my best advice on this is listen to your real estate agent. Um, on the number. They're going to get the comps, the comparables from the neighborhood, and they are- they're going to tell you, hey, the, the fact that you have like tile here and you've done this special mosaic here, doesn't matter what the price. The fact is this square footage with three bedrooms and two baths in the neighborhood is selling for this price. And find the right price point. If it's a little bit less, that's okay. Because I have priced on point every time and I have had on three homes, Dave, bidding wars. The last home I sold, I had 12 offers. And I had real estate agents, not my own, because I love and adore them and I trust them, come to me and say, oh, you underpriced. Exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I sold for a lot more than what they would have even priced it at because it creates excitement. You do not want to let your home marinate on the market. Marinating is for steaks on a Saturday. It is not for your home. You are getting out of that home and you're trying to get it sold in spring because the longer it sits on the market, the more the buyers think there's something wrong with it or that you're desperate. So the problem with overpricing it, even $10,000, is it distracts the buyers to feel like they're getting gouged and that doesn't generate the, in my view, does not generate the excitement that you need when a home first goes on the market. The picture should be awesome the posting should be amazing. Do and you pay for the pictures? No, it all comes with out of the real estate fees that okay. I've paid because the seller It's one of the things is, they offer. Yeah, this is controversial, but you know, now with with the 6% that the seller pays for their home that's been in court and it's been uh, they they're talking about me you know, maybe being able to negotiate. But as part of that price that you pay to sell your home to the real estate agents, the pictures the marketing, it all comes with it. And here's an important caveat. And again, we're going to make sure we get the mention for the Stern team and thank them. Um, When you list your home, this has worked for me. Thin out the furniture and get out of the house for the open houses. Get out of the house. Go on vacation for a few days.
1: Learn your home's true value in 30 seconds. Just visit sternteam.com.
0: Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Ujianovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at nine.
1: And every day we start off with the launch, so the key word is going to be launch.
0: So, text that keyword to 57500 5 and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. Dave and Dejanovic,
2: your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio.
0: I have two of my colleagues in studio with me, both had a chance to sit down and talk to presidential uh, Republican candidate Nikki Haley, who is in town, uh, both Boyd and Dave.
8: We're better than this. And I think that, you know, America has an amazing ability to self-correct. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to know where up is.
1: And she thinks we've hit rock bottom, especially in the Republican Party, where they've lost, they've underperformed in election after election after election. They're going to recycle Donald Trump, most likely. And she says, at what point are we going to wake up and move on and look for something new?
0: Boyd, you also sat down with her for a one-on-one Yes, we did a,
1: we did
3: a one-on-one uh, for Sunday edition for KSL 5 TV. We'll be sharing a little bit of that today coming up at one o five. and of course she's down at Utah Valley University. I thought some of the most interesting things uh, I always want to know from these things, you, you kind of know the answers of, you know, President Biden, President Trump, you know, that kind of stuff, Uh, it was really interesting to listen to some of her animating principles, the things that kind of get her out of bed in the morning that make all of this exasperating, exhausting thing that is campaigning and realize she's been doing this for over a year. Uh, So imagine all of that. uh, And what is it that actually makes it worth it? And to me, one of the interesting things she talked about was this whole sense of, you know, most of the country is not talking about this the way politicians in Washington are talking about it. Uh, she actually described in, in just a hallway conversation we were having uh, about what she did when she was uh, ambassador to the U.N., that she would have the ambassadors from China, from Russia, uh, from all of these places to her home. And they would talk about their children and their grandchildren and what's going on with the people in their country, uh, building relations, not just transactions, because even if someone is, quote, an enemy, you still have to be able to have a relationship so that you can deal with things, solve things, resolve things. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting uh, uh, approach and in her, and her
1: perspective there. One of the questions that was asked to her uh, was, does morality and character matter? Because there is a stark contrast between the former president uh, and most other candidates. Uh, is this the rock bottom uh, that that she's talking about? And, And why aren't we valuing morality and character more?
8: I think so. That's why I'm running. I mean, I think that that we're better than this. And I think that, you know, America has an amazing ability to self-correct. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to know where up is. We're there. Now we just have to see if everybody's willing to go up. And honestly, it takes a lot of courage. It takes courage for people to believe that they can be part of the
1: solution. Do you buy this? Do you buy that we're at Rock Bottom? Uh, I think we're pretty doggone
3: close. <laughs> when it When it comes to some of the things, I'm, we're not hanging by a thread by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. But when it comes to moral clarity and moral authority, yeah, we're uh, we're definitely swimming in the dredges down there for sure. And it's one of those things that if you go all the way back to George Washington, he said, "Is it too much for us to expect?" That the private morality and the public behavior of leaders of the United States of America should not be the envy of the world. Uh, I agree with that, and I think we've fallen a long, long way from that. And that's not, that's not about one political party. That's not about one politician. It, it's about what we expect out of our leaders, and the fact that I think part of that rock bo- bottom is we the people expecting more rather than settling for less. We, we've been told, well, that's just the way it is. That's the new normal. Uh, you don't have to have morality and integrity and all of those things that made the country extraordinary. Uh, and we had to get back to that because that is what gives us power. That is what drives the country. It is what everyone across the country, what they're trying to teach their children today.
0: When I look at President Trump's track record uh, at, when it comes to morals and integrity, he's not a shining star. You know he's 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 just not a shining star. He's he's uh, had this the sex abuse uh, liability uh, claim go against him uh, in court. He's facing numerous uh, indictments in different parts of the country uh, based on what he um, after you know what he did after the elections. He owes, um, I guess, the state of New York or so, somebody in New York, he owes them, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, was found liable for significant amount of years long fraud in yeah. New York. So he's not a he's not a shining star. And then I look at Nikki Haley, who's got this. She's got a very, very stellar resume. Yeah. Governor Two terms in South Carolina. First mm. female governor, uh, yeah. daughter of immigrants, worked uh, in the family business. It's, it's yeah. hard work to work in a small business yeah. and build that business up.
5: No question. Um,
0: has not had any, nearly any of the, 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 nothing compared to Trump. And yet Republicans continue to say, yeah, that's the, the he's the guy we want. Yeah. I'm shocked by this. And and also um, Haley did talk about this in the editorial board meeting. Regarding um, Trump specifically. And Dave, you said that it's probably the strongest you've ever heard. You've heard her speak uh, about Trump lately.
1: Yeah, so many levels to it, saying, you know, one of the things that conservatives believe in is uh, fiscal restraint. That didn't happen during the Trump years. Uh, How about the border? We've been talking so much about the border when Republicans had the White House, the House, and the Senate, nothing got done. So these conservative principles and the policies that you claim to, to love and support what, what the president was doing, these are still the exact same problems we're dealing with now. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it. And, and to me, I think that's one of the interesting things
3: that uh, Ambassador Haley has been pointing out. She's not only been willing to, to talk about the Biden administration or what the Democrats have or haven't done. That's easy. That's easy politics to yell at your enemies. But she's been talking to her friends and telling them the truth, that under President Trump, there was an additional $8 trillion added to the debt, more than any president in history. Now you can add COVID and you can have that debate. Uh, but living up to those principles we profess to believe. And I, and I think that's the real question. And, and circling back to, to your comment, Debbie, I, I think that's so important because we've had this this steady slide of what we've been willing to accept in our public officials when it comes to morality, integrity, honesty basic human decency we are so far afield from what we used to expect i mean just think back i mean you can go back to to bill clinton you can go back to the kennedys you can go back you can just keep going back through time and it used to be very small things were the end of a political career and what's happening now it's the beginning of a Mm -hmm. political career why because we continue to celebrate it and now we live in this doom scrolling world that is all about chaos and chaos is addictive. In other words, once you get the high, that dopamine hit of chaos, then you're going to want a little more the next time and a little more. It's like going to a Daytona race uh, and you're, you're there for the crash or you go to the hockey game and you're waiting for the fight to break out. You're looking for the chaos. And so we've done that. We can look at all of these screens in the newsroom and it's chaos peddling. And so no one should be shocked that the former president isn't doing extremely well in that because society is validating that. And then we're all becoming part of it because of the algorithms in our own, our own self-selected media bubbles. Uh, and so to me, that's big a big part of the challenge is, uh, and again, I'm going to go back to Debbie's point because I, I don't think we talk about this enough. Integrity matters. It either matters or it doesn't. Well, it matters to me, and it matters to you. And it so, matters to my kids, right? And so then we and then we have to be careful because then we go into the the yeah but it's like well you know I don't think he has integrity. I don't like the way he does business. I don't know the way like the way he talks. But if I don't vote for him, then the evil, awful, horrible people on the other side are going to win, and then it's a lesser of two evils choice, and that is a false choice which we just have to reject as voters, uh, and then tell voters. Do exactly what you just said, Debbie, mm-hmm. and that is vote different, then we're going to keep getting the same. And the chaos, doesn't matter who's in the White House, the
1: chaos will continue. Thanks, Boyd. This portion of the Dave and Dujanovic Show is brought to you by Window World. Replace your windows and doors without the hassle or baloney. Call Window World of Utah today.
2: Dave, Dave and
1: Dujanovic. Dujanovic.
0: We were going to ask for phone calls about Nikki Haley, uh, but I forgot. <laughs> we're... So involved with that conversation that we just had with Boyd, and Boyd and Dave had a chance to sit down with Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley today, this morning, uh, that I just forgot to ask y'all to call in. Um, so pick up the phone, 801-575-TALK, 801-575-TALK. Um, give us a call. If you don't have time to do this, you can always send us a text message at 5-7-5-0-0. Why not? Why not Haley? Why not Haley, what do you think, Dave? You talked to her today.
1: It doesn't make a lot of sense uh, if we're really looking at the practicality of winning the White House for Republicans. So if you want to say, I'm voting for policy, and, and that's why I kind of hold my nose and I support Donald Trump, there's a clear option. Nikki Haley is, is a clear conservative, has run on conservative values. Now, is she as extreme in some cases? No, I. Uh, there, there is some difference between Trump and Haley, of course. But one of the things she wanted to know is Donald Trump spent $8 billion during his presidency. Now, a huge chunk of that was during COVID. Who saw that coming? But he was not the financial conservative that many people want. That That was clear. He's not talking about the debt right now. When you see him on the campaign trails, and this is what Nikki Haley was bringing up in the editorial board meeting, she said, we're spending, we're having to borrow money to pay for the interest on our national debt. We're borrowing money to pay for the interest. But do you hear Donald Trump talking about spending? Do you hear him talking about the debt? No. And she doesn't understand why that's not a priority.
0: We also were talking about this when you ran back in from the editorial board meeting uh, to jump on the microphone with me at about 930 about the string of losses uh, that Trump has his fingerprints on. And he's helped hand Republicans over the last several years. It is
8: why Donald Trump will not win. Because if you look at all of those demographics going back to 2016, look at how it continues to fall. And look at the races it's bringing down with it. I mean, that's that's the key is you have to bring those people in. Since he lost the races in Georgia, what has he done to bring any of those people in? Nothing. He lost in 2018, he lost in 2020, he lost in 2022. But look a couple of weeks ago, Republicans lost the vote on Israel. Republicans lost the vote on the border. The RNC chair lost her job. Donald Trump had his fingerprints on all of
1: it. We're taking your phone calls 575-TALK, uh, 575-TALK. Mike in Salt Lake City. Mike, what do you think?
12: I, I'm I'm troubled by our politics significantly. There's no doubt about it. I'm 60 years old. But um, it's not as simple as saying that uh, uh, the morality of the individual has to trump anything else, no pun intended. Uh, because if you... Love 70% of what one candidate does. You loathe 30%. But yet the other candidate, uh, you you love uh, 30% and loathe 70%. And a lot of that is based on the morality. You have to choose the lesser of two evils. And, and this, this is where the difficulty lies because it's not that simple. For example, um, I really, really liked – uh, her, her very much until um, I started reading and studying and finding about uh, what she has done since her governorship and her ambassadorship. And then I start thinking, gosh, she's in bed with the Chinese. And this makes it extremely difficult what? Uh, what, what, for me. You, you have to, okay, but you,
0: you've got to be able to back that up, Mike. What do you mean by that?
12: Yeah. When I say she's in bed with the Chinese, I'm talking that she has... Uh, been working uh, as a uh, um, lobbyist and in groups that lobby heavily in Washington for Chinese interests. And so when it comes down to it, I have to decide as a voter, what's a bigger deal to me? Well, China to me is by far the single biggest threat to our markets, to our economy, and to our defense. So I just look at it that way. And and um so when it comes down to choosing uh what she has her after what she has done since her ambassadorship and governorship, I'm going, man, I, I I just don't agree with a significant amount of what she's been doing over the last uh six or eight years.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. So it sounds uh I mean I you really didn't get to this point, but it sounds like uh maybe it doesn't matter what President Trump does. Right. in His personal life. Maybe it doesn't matter uh, that he owes uh, New York 450 some odd million dollars in fines because of a a trial that went nowhere near, uh, did not go near his way at all. I mean, he was so far off base with his defense um, and he got caught. Right. He got caught uh, engaging in significant amounts of what's been called fraud. Does it matter that what happened in 1996 to the woman that he was found liable for sexual abuse of? Doesn't matter. Uh It's just all about what. And to your claims that she's lobbying on behalf of of, of Chinese firms, I I'd have to fact check you on that because maybe I'm hoping our team of reporters, our producers in the newsroom, are doing that right now because. Dave, have you heard anything like that? Yeah,
1: this is, this is a pretty common thing uh, coming against Nikki Haley. She's done some consulting work. Uh, she's worked for some defense contractors, uh, those that have donated to her campaign. Uh, there's been some connections that way that I've heard.
0: What about with Trump? What are, are there any connections there with his donations?
1: Yeah, I mean, every, every single politician you know, has something okay. that you could point to. Right. There, there's no one that hasn't received a, a donation from somebody that you could make a connection to. Um, I, I think, ultimately, what, what plays in Trump's favor is he spent four years as president. There's something very tangible about the results that we saw. Now, it got derailed in the final year because of COVID, so I, I almost remove a lot of that final year because you know the spending, the things that were happening, uh, it was unprecedented. We were all trying to figure it out at, at that point. But for the first three years, there's no question that the the economy was booming. There were things that your 401k was soaring. There were a lot of positives during those four years, and I think people look back on those four years, and there's a lot to like about the the result. What a lot of people are ignoring is how we got there and who got us there. And again, kind of holding the nose because it was Donald Trump. I think
0: the elephant in the room, um, and I'm, I'm going to start talking about this more and more, is that she's a woman. I think, you rep- think? I do. I think that she's it's because she's a woman. And there's been a lot of research done on what's called the woman problem. They've labeled it the woman problem in politics. That's how we're viewed what our roles are in society, even in, in 2024. But at this point, you can't give me something so nuanced because it sounds like an excuse. It sounds like, oh, well, you know, I looked into this person's background and I found this little thing. When when she's running against a man who has just a whole host of legal problems and certainly is not at the level of integrity that we should expect of our leaders, but she addressed this with the editorial board, uh, at Broadcast House today, and Dave was sitting right there and said this about female president.
8: I have said this, and I truly believe it. There will be a female president of the United States. It will either be me, or it will be Kamala Harris. And if Donald Trump is the nominee, we can all welcome a president Kamala Harris.
1: I don't buy the sexism angle at all. I think we've absolutely moved past that. Hillary Clinton was the nominee, didn't win. When we've we've seen that worldwide. Uh, whether it's Liz Truss uh, for for England, um, Angela Merkel in in Germany, I, I think the world is more than comfortable with having a woman as as their leader. I I think ultimately Donald Trump is dynamic, he is polarizing, he's inspiring, all of those things all at once, and he is the unicorn. He came from nowhere. He wasn't a politician. He was a businessman. That plays in his his favor, and. He's got momentum right now.
0: There is a Pew Research study out. Um, It came out last fall. Most Americans, 65%, think voters are more likely to support a candidate if the candidate is a white man. That's from Pew Research. That's not just from me spewing that I think there's a woman problem here. There's a woman problem. Let's just admit it. We're not ready to have a female as president yet, but we're willing to settle. At least Republicans appear right now to be willing to settle on a man who has a whole bunch of problems with his morals.
2: Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio.
0: It's been the talk of the town, Dave, wouldn't you say? The MLB. Baseball, billion-dollar ballpark funding, which got into sideways into some drama yesterday, and that bill got gutted and changed. So we're going to talk about that for just a moment. And then the NHL-NBA remodel or redo of the Delta Center.
1: I think we've definitely kept it in the conversation because it's important. We're talking about billions of dollars of taxpayer money going to sports stadiums to billionaire owners. I mean, we should be talking about this.
0: It's all in the framing. I mean, come on. <laughs> Holly Richardson with Utah Policy uh, also writes for the Deseret News, keeps an eye on the Hill uh, on all the things legislation. And this one, with let's start with the MLB ballpark on the west side where Dave and I were broadcasting live yesterday. You were yeah. on the show with us as things were changing. Yeah. And then it got gutted. The original funding package would have been uh, hotel room taxes. Right. And that got tossed. It did. And that was the where legislators
13: had heartburn. And so they, when they substituted the bill, when Representative Wy- uh, Wilcox sub- subbed the bill on the floor, uh, right around lunchtime yesterday, there were a number of legislators, especially from rural Utah, who stood up and said, I was a hard no, I had a lot of heartburn over this bill, but because of these changes, I can support this bill. And it passed out of the House yesterday afternoon and then went to a Senate committee
0: Well, I thought Representative Walt Brooks from uh, St. George, when he stood up on the House floor and he said this. "The
3: half of our visitors that stay in hotels are you from Salt (laughs) Lake to come down to St. George. And I could not vote for a bill that's going to increase taxes statewide for this this, this issue.
0: Because a lot of us, uh, based on rhetoric coming off Capitol Hill, were under the impression that all the tourists, the out-of-state tourists, were going to pick up the (laughs) the tab for a lot of this. But he said 50%. I'm Uh, sure that's right. (laughs) Well, but Ryan Wilcox called the show in the 9 o'clock hour. He's the sponsor, the chief sponsor of the legislation uh, of this funding. And he said, it's more like 25%. So he pushed back on Brooks. Whatever the case may be, they gutted the whole thing. So how are they going to pay for it now? Well, there's still some funding
13: in there. There's some funding mechanisms remaining, including one that would allow um, increasing uh, car rental taxes after the stadium is built. So. (laughs) So th- this is down the road a mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one of the pieces of testimony that I heard just said, you know, th- this is like many bills that pass at the legislature will be worked on in um, other sessions. But for now, the bill has passed the House and the Senate and it has been sent to the governor's desk. So and that's
1: where we are. One of the reasons I think they've tackled this in such an aggressive way early on and looking for funding is because when you have – a stadium funding mechanism in place this plays very well to major league baseball when sure. you're trying to lure a team say sure. not only do we have a spot picked out you know that's it's, it's going to be beautiful we actually have a way to fund it that is a game changer and that yeah. is a difference maker having removed that funding element of it essentially is a big change
13: Yeah, it is a big change, but I think, again, you're going to have, you've got the public-private partnership kind of thing, right? You've got some uh, big owners who are saying, uh, we want to make sure that this happens and we're fully invested. You have city money, you've got county money, you've got people who are supportive from the west side who are saying this is something that we want. So there's still funding, it's just that they stripped out one of the big pieces of the funding.
0: And we don't know if that'll get them to the billion dollars. Uh, which is what they said they needed originally to kind pledge in taxpayer money. When I spoke to Representative Ryan Wilcox earlier in the show, uh, we talked about how the sales tax from that Fair Park area would then be allocated uh, to help pay for the ballpark. So it's that for that specific area. Let me let me play a little thirty seconds yeah. uh, from that conversation, Holly.
7: This is literally just just in the district. Um, in other words, an area that is not producing any sales tax right now. It's an industrial zone right now. That will be used to uh, hope, uh, hopefully it will generate enough sales tax for us to do this. But that's the plan is that we'll invest in that area, meaning the partner will, the private investor will. And then the revenue that we pick up from the sales that are generated in an area that is currently not generating revenue, that's what we'll use to fund the project.
13: <laughs>
0: so it seems a little loosey-goosey.
13: Yeah, but I, again, I would say it's probably not that unexpected <laughs> with with the legislative process, right? So they will come back and revisit it, and, okay. and it will happen year after year. But we're coming to the end of this session, so they had to get it through, and they
1: did. And there are still likely several years. We, oh, think, yeah. that, we think that Major League Baseball will probably make some sort of an expansion announcement. Uh, the commissioner said this probably around 2030 so we're still we've got time
13: for sure
0: yeah Uh, holly richardson uh writes for the desert news follows the legislature is the editor of utah policy uh let's pivot to Great. the Delta Center or the NBA Arena slash NHL Arena. Sure. Ryan Smith, the owner of the Utah Jazz, putting out a tweet yesterday that Dave and I caught while we were live on the air yeah. showing a, a rendering, a beautiful rendering right. of a brand new downtown area. Right. And that looks phenomenal as long as it's not where I'm sitting and Dave and you are sitting right now. They may take
13: this building. Who
0: knows? (laughs) And they need another billion for that. I don't think taxpayers across the state have as much heartburn with it because that billion dollars would be raised with the sales tax increase in Salt Lake City specifically.
13: Yeah. So that bill, I listened to the presentation on the Senate floor. It was last night. And um, Dan McKay is a big NHL fan, has been for a long time. So he's the sponsor of this bill also. And one of the points that he made is this is not a stadium bill. This is a build a city bill. And he wants to emphasize that this is for the city of Salt Lake, the crown jewel of Utah. This is not about sports. That's secondary. The, the mm-hmm. primary focus is building Utah, <laughs> okay. uh, Utah's
1: capital city. We'll see where they spend that billion dollars and how much <laughs> of it ends up in a, a stadium. And then you can tell me, oh, well, this isn't a stadium, Bill.
13: Well, maybe, right? But- but anyway, that bill passed out of the Senate and is over on the House side. And it's currently in the, the House Rules Committee mm-hmm. just waiting to go on the board and be discussed.
0: Okay, so it's just sitting yeah. right now uh, waiting to get out of committee. It'll get out of committee. It it's not like – yeah, I mean the Rules Committee this. is
13: where they yeah. send the bills out in, in order of priority, in, right. but yeah.
1: Was there any uh, reference at all to this possibly being included with a, a jazz redesign or would this be a hybrid – kind of uh arena was there any reference to that in the bill I,
13: I didn't I didn't read that in the bill um I didn't see hear that in the discussion either but I I mean there's anything is possible
0: yeah we don't know if this would this billion would be allocated toward like a hockey rink uh that could say a basketball court slapped over it, and then it gets removed so they can hold a... Yeah, I, I think,
13: again, the devil's in the details. We don't know for sure. But I, I do know that there's there's definitely interest. But to your point also with MLB, that the decision for even bringing possibly NHL here, here is years away. So,
0: so again, we're in this spot where we don't have the team secured. And maybe this is how business gets done, Dave. Wow. This, is, uh, this is your arena. You've been... Um, you know, you've had your head in the sports world forever. That's how business gets done.
1: Yeah, they they try to answer a lot of the questions beforehand. You have to. You yeah. can't go into some sort of a bid for a team yeah. without having some ducks lined up. Yeah. You gotta have them in a row. Yeah. And and I think that's what is happening right now. What it speaks to me is we're probably farther along in the process than we realize. There's there's a little bit of an urgency that is happening mm-hmm. i think because of the conversations yeah. that are going on behind closed doors do you feel that doors. holly
13: yeah i i agree with that actually i, I think there is um I, I think we are further along i think there are things that the public doesn't know um i i'm not privy either but but one of the things that representative wilcox pointed out yesterday is that the name of a potential team will have the word Utah in it and not just Salt Lake City. So I don't know if that is a a teaser or not, but it sure seems to be. Well, that
0: became the debate in the Olympics. Too. Sure. Back in uh, the 90s when we were bidding on the yeah. Olympics, would they be the Utah Olympics? Well, they ended up being, it ended up being SLOC, yeah. the Salt Lake Olympic Committee. <laughs> right, so the writing is on the right. wall. Remember SLOC? <laughs> the Salt Lake Olympic Committee. And it was the Salt Lake Winter Olympics. And that's how we remember it. That's how we hosted it.
13: Yeah.
1: So I don't know. Being held in Morgan.
13: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even with the Olympics, I mean, we're, we had to prepare ahead of time to your point, Dave, right? Yeah, we, we had to prepare ahead of time. Yep. Same thing with 2020. 2034 Olympics saying, look, we do have the Mm -hmm. venues. We're going to make sure that they're you know, kept up, but we also have new venues, whatever it is that we need to be able to get the IOC to say, yeah, you're the preferred city.
1: Holly, thank you. You've been invaluable. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Editor at Utah Policy, Holly Richardson, thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks, Holly. Um, We're going to take live phone calls straight ahead because I'm wondering if our listeners feel like their vision of downtown Salt Lake City with a brand new hockey and a brand new NBA arena with a bunch of restaurants and maybe some new hotels and condominiums and a lot of glass buildings everywhere that's ryan smith's vision if you look at that graphic right i'm seeing i'm remembering yes. that right yep. dave
1: absolutely yeah with fireworks in the background just so you know i mean there's going to be fireworks well, they had well.
0: the, there it is we put it on our live stream so if you're streaming us right now on our app you can see that tweet from jazz owner ryan smith and the photo that i have been staring at for two days is that your vision too 801575 talk 801575 talk looking forward to your live phone calls next
2: Dave, Dave and Jennifer
0: is your vision for a brand new downtown that will you know host an NBA team and an NHL team and look kind of like the Vegas strip is is does it mirror what Ryan Smith the owner of the Utah Jazz's vision is uh, we've posted the photo that he posted on Twitter, aka X, yesterday during our show, we caught this and we started talking about it. Dave, do the play-by-play if you don't mind. We've posted it, by the way, on our our news radio app, KSL News Radio app. Uh, You can also go online and look at it at kslnewsradio.com right now.
1: Number one, it's a big, beautiful new stadium that is not the Delta Center. (laughs) That, That is the headliner right there. I mean, you've got a totally new stadium. And in his tweet, he says... It's about revitalizing downtown with NBA and NHL at its center. So I don't know if that stadium is a a hybrid jazz NHL stadium that you could use for both. Let me say right now, I've talked to some big hockey guys and they say basketball arenas don't work well for hockey arenas. Just the way it's designed, it it makes it a bad view. The view, okay. So they've moved away from these multi-purpose arenas.
0: That's not good news for taxpayers.
1: Yeah, so best case scenario as far as fan experience would be a basketball arena just for the Jazz and then a separate NHL arena for the hockey team.
0: Do you uh, envision this day being like the same number of seats?
1: The hockey arena is going to be smaller. Okay. Yeah, just because the puck is so small, it's hard to track. You can't have somebody up in the rafters, you know, nine hundred and fifty-three oh, feet above. Like when I go the to the jazz game and get the cheap yeah. seats. Yeah.
0: Because I can see the basketball sort of. Right. But with the hockey puck, that makes sense. I've yeah, been there's to no enough hockey games to to know that because even from the um, from the box, like if you're in the. The few times I've been in the boxes. What are those called? I don't even know. The luxury boxes. The (laughs) luxury boxes. It always feels so luxury. The popcorn was luxurious. Uh, It's hard to see from up there. Yeah. Okay. Boo-hoo me. Um, And that's in
1: the middle of the arena.
0: That is. Yeah, you're right. Holly from Sandy. Is your vision of a new downtown Salt Lake City, one of uh, NBA basketball and NHL hockey at the center of it with lots of new restaurants and shiny buildings surrounding it?
14: Absolutely not. Sorry. Um, I have no doubt that the Delta Center needs some updating and, uh, you know, that the team and everybody else would love to see that and maybe a new arena. But a billion dollars, um, I'm sorry, but we have other things that need more focus than bringing something that in. And even if it's true that, okay, it's suddenly on the fast track, which I did find rather unusual and um Kind of weird to have it come up so late in the game in the legislative session this year um you know we've got homeless people who need attention who are a lot of whom are veterans and families who can't afford to live here teenagers who in similar situations who either don't want to be in foster care or, or have aged out of the system you know but, you know, everybody's just willing to jump up and throw a billion dollars at a possibility for a new stadium that may or may not happen um, for a hockey team that, you know, doesn't exist yet. Um, I I can understand, you know, wanting to, to revamp the Delta Center, even potentially, you know, build a new, uh, you know, tear it down and build a new stadium kind of thing with the new advances I have a real problem with my taxpayer money going to pay for something like this. Um I've been to the Delta Center once in my entire and I've lived here my entire life. Um and that was to go to the Josh Groban concert. I don't I don't have a problem with people loving sports. My whole family's that way. They love sports. Um but I'd rather see my taxpayer dollars go to something that's really going to help everybody, not just you know turn us into Las Vegas North which is what that
0: uh, <laughs> that's great Holly I love everything you said there thank you so much for spilling your heart out here about how you feel about it let's get to David and also in Sandy hi hi David hello hi how do you feel about yeah. Las Vegas North <laughs> in Salt Lake City <laughs> well,
6: I, I agree with Holly I think I think that uh but I, mine is is more of uh California North you know with as many people as been moving into utah from california don't if, if enough people love uh, major league baseball and all the rest of the things the olympics that comes here the skiing the, the all the the, the uh na- the uh, na- uh, national parks um it's getting to the point where it's 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 hard i live right at the base of little cottonwood canyon mm. and and you know you can't get up to the ski resort no. without pre- preparing five hours in advance. Yep. And I have a daughter in Sand Hollow that, um, that lives five minutes from the launching ramp uh, and can't get on the lake yeah. unless she, and it's uh, it's just going to bring, I love sports, but you know what? I just don't like the congestion.
0: Wow. Two great opinions uh, from from our listeners in, in the Sandy City area. Uh, Dave, David, hear you loud and clear. I was talking about this yesterday. My daughter waited hours. She was a ski instructor for a couple of years up at Snowbird. Went up there to ski uh, a couple of weeks ago, Dave, and during the weekday. She had to go home and then come back. It's so congested with traffic.
1: I think what's being lost in this conversation is if you drive down North Temple, down to the proposed ballpark site, it has been a disaster for decades it it is no one is investing in it it is run down buildings there's crime it, it is it's a rough part of town somebody is going to invest 3.5 billion dollars to renovate this area but it has to have a baseball stadium in it so you can say no all you want. You can say no, not in my town. You have to be practical when it comes to the developers. You've got to give them a reason to invest in that area, and they're telling you it's a baseball stadium. So you can say no to the billion dollars. They were going to put in $3.5 to renovate that area.
0: Thanks for that take, Dave, and that perspective. Also, thank you today for your coverage of the Nikki Haley uh, editorial board meeting today. I know that was a lot of work for you. You were running around broadcast house, and you did a great job uh, bringing us that story. KSL. Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Dijanovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at nine.
1: And every day we start off with the launch, so the keyword is going to be launch.
0: So text that keyword to five seven five zero zero, and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros.